He puts the work in network. He brings unity to the community. He runs events. Let's cut the suspense. Mr. Brendan Golby. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I feel like I need an audience like clapping. Brendan. Brendan. There we go. He's trying to hype you up there. How are you, my good man? You've done well. I'm very well. I notice you have a tinge of ginger hair. Shout out to fellow redheads. We love that. There's there's a, there's probably more than a tinge there. I think I think I'm definitely in in the club. So I love that man. Let's go. I drink from skulls. Drink from the skulls of my enemies. Well, for the benefit of all the skull drinkers and skull takers all across the lands, who is Brendan Golby and what do you do? So I, I guess to a certain degree, my, my biggest claim to fame is um, sort of the network that I've built on LinkedIn. Just a guy who who lives in uh, Toowoomba, Queensland, Australia, who um, I, I guess has eaten the, the business networking pill and, um, you know, really enjoys bringing people together and, and watching the magic that then comes from that. So Love that, man. And you founded, talk a bit about the, the, the groups and the businesses that you founded. I, I just love it. Yeah. So I, I guess over, over the years, um, you know, my journey started back in 2013 when I really started to um, sort of get deep into the, the LinkedIn infrastructure. And, um, you know, at the time I, I built a group, which we, you know, generically called Toowoomba Queensland Community. And it was really just an op- opportunity for people to connect, uh, meet new people. And at the time, it was just sort of like, does anyone want to have a coffee with me on Friday? And uh, 30 people turned up. And I'm like, okay, this is a bit weird. The next month, we did it again, and 60 people turned up. And then in the third month, we had over 130 people. And then the coffee shops were like, mate, you can't have people, 130 people for coffee. So we had to change the format a bit. But um, so that's that sort of spearheaded, you know, me purchasing uh, the domain for the local town that I'm in, which is tourma.com.au. It um, spearheaded uh, a business group that I created, like a fortnightly breakfast for business owners um, called Toowoomba Business Partners. Um, and then, yeah, it all sort of migrated from there. That's awesome, man. And so, you know, Humble Beginnings grew very quickly, turned into uh, a networker community, a second family, I'm guessing here. What are some of the things that you've seen that, you know, you've put this great group together? Like, talk about what, what else sort of comes from that. I guess the, the biggest thing that I didn't realize, I, I sort of shot myself down a bit of a rabbit hole um, building the network and then trying to find ways to create visibility um, with a lot more people locally. Um, and, and obviously my target and specific people I was originally looking for was business owners and then everyone else sort of sort of popped onto the bandwagon as well. It was really a, a, um, a leap of faith to a certain degree because I put, you know, three or four hours a day into it for nearly 12 months wow. and I wasn't really too sure what the outcome was going to look like. But it, but looking back on that time, it just created so much personal brand for me. It created um, a very, I guess, what I, what I like to call geographical influence. Yeah. So if you ask people in Toowoomba who Brennan is, you know, there's a 90% chance they'll know who, who you're talking about. Um, and it was that geographical influence. And then a couple of years later, what really started to, I guess, stick really well around that was that, you know, visibility created the opportunity. And and businesses, um, doesn't matter where they are, if nobody knows you exist or what you do, the chances of you actually doing businesses is quite low. Um, if you find yourself, you know, getting into a lot of extra circles, you know, the more visibility you can create, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's socially or 
or brand awareness wise, the opportunity will just start to flow because you, you create that top of mind awareness. Super powerful. And I might, I'll shift gears a little bit here. Uh, we have a lot of viewers that are, you know, they, they've got their own business. They are looking for ways to generate leads. They're looking for ways to build relationships, or maybe, maybe they don't even know how to do it. But one, one thing that sticks out is that for people that are trying to get into business to business type arrangements, this would probably be arguably one of the most powerful, most successful ways that you could generate business as, as a byproduct. Is that right? I mean, I think, um, you know, whether it's, um, you know, business networking as an attendee or, you know, business networking as the event organizer, um, obviously the event organizers got definitely got the biggest advantage because they've got, they've got reasons to talk to everyone that's coming. Yeah. But I think overall it's, it's a great opportunity just to, you know, have some deeper conversations with everyone. Um, from all different industries. One thing you mentioned just before was that you didn't really have an end goal in terms of I'm going to turn this thing into a money-making machine or I'm going to do this because I'm going to get this out of it. You just, you saw the power and the, you just wanted to build something from what I took. Whether it worked or didn't, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the goal. It was to build something and have a bit of an impact. And the byproduct from that has been super powerful. You are 100% correct that I would say arguably 90, maybe even more percent, 90, 95% of people in, in Toowoomba know who you are. If you ever looked, wanted a job opportunity, I'm sure you get dozens thrown at you every week. Just the benefits that I've seen from it have been uh, pretty cool to watch. You don't really know what, what you're, the benefits that you're creating until afterwards. And I think, I think that's the big thing. And I, like I, you know, my story is that two years after sort of creating the LinkedIn group, I took a redundancy from the um, business that I was working for. I walked upstairs on a Friday afternoon at four o'clock, updated my LinkedIn profile. And at the time I had about 10,000 connections and I just said, looking for my next opportunity. And then my phone rang solid for the next hour. And, you know, the ability to be able to create that sort of awareness um, so quickly was, you know, I don't know another platform to a certain degree that you could do that with. And and that was, to a certain degree, it was my insurance policy. I'd inadvertently create an insurance policy that says, if I need a new job, I've got somewhere that I can update. Yeah. Because of all the work that I'd put in in the last, in the prior two years. Yeah. I love that. Let's focus a little bit on LinkedIn just now that it's sort of out in the open. I don't do much on it. I know how powerful it can be. That's why I'm talking to you about it. So talk to me about, you know, anything you want to share about LinkedIn how you sort of built your online brand using LinkedIn as one part of it anyway. So I guess to a certain degree, I, the advice that I give around LinkedIn is that um, it's it's really just a refidex on steroids. Nice. If you sort of have the ability to say, look, you know, my target market is a particular, you know, it could be business owners or it could be a particular industry. Um, you know, LinkedIn in Toowoomba over the last sort of 10 years has gone from 20,000 people on it to you know 50 to 60,000 people on it so we've seen massive growth in it and I think predominantly because of all the stuff that I've been doing around it and you know some of the training I've been doing for people on LinkedIn but I guess it's it's really a, an opportunity for people to get out there and actually start to engage with their target audience yeah and it's not necessarily about connecting directly to someone to sell them something the opportunity is really an opportunity for them to get to know you um, via your content rather than you trying to sell through, you know, direct messages or things like that. Yeah, great. 
How long ago did you get started on LinkedIn? I've probably been on LinkedIn now for, oh, if I had to guess, it'd be maybe 15 years or so. But uh, the when did you just, like, like if you said, when did I actually shift it into first gear, second gear, third gear? It would be about 2013. 2013 to 2015 was probably my biggest yeah. surge on LinkedIn. Um, I basically figured out every single way to break it. Um, I, I, f- I found out different, you know, where the opportunities were to grow. You know, I had to manage that growth quite heavily um, and I was very lucky. I, I actually had some coaching by a lady within within LinkedIn directly in Sydney um, that, I, that I caught up with about six times within that 12 months uh, for one-on-one mentoring. So I was very lucky to have that, I guess, shoulder to, to lean on and and really start to get, I guess, push the the, the card into into top gear. That's humble of you to say, like luck, like because you essentially you created that. You you went all in, and whether you saw an opportunity, and and lo and behold, one came to you, and you took it with both hands to really hone in the skill and master the art and build a network of influence. So I think it's pretty cool, man. I think there's a lot to be said for the creation of geographical influence and how that then generates into sales because you. you have essentially have an opportunity where you're essentially a warm warm connection to someone rather than you know a cold connection to someone when you actually go through the sales process yeah i love that and have you sort of the way i've sort of see it is you've kind of done a little bit of new age stuff with linkedin online posting putting yourself out there good content and then mixing it with some you know some old school stuff to make this killer 2022 2023 strategy where you really do go with value in mind so that the sale sort of comes as a byproduct of it later. Is that something you, like what industries do you think this could be beneficial for? Uh, I mean, my my background is from about 2015 to 2019, I was actually in the um, automotive industry. Um, I did exceptionally well in that world around sort of fleet sales and things like that because I was dealing with business owners day to day through my network, but also through my day-to-day job it was definitely something where people would pick up the phone and say hey Brennan you know can you organize another 10 cars for me and they they knew me like they knew who I was they um you know to a certain degree a lot of them had never met me in person but they'd actually met me through my content yeah and that was that was where they sort of I guess to a certain degree felt like they did know me I then went on to work in the um house like as a working for a builder in the house sales world and in that world, it was just amazing. Like people would walk in the door, not knowing technically that I was there and they'd go, oh, hey, Brendan, I didn't know you were here. And suddenly the conversation's warm and and obviously we go through the process from there. Yeah. And to date, I still hold the the Twoomba record for the, the most number of house sales in a in a 12-month period for any builder uh, historically. And yeah, 100, 166 sales in, in 12 months. And I think that one will be a hard one to beat. That's awesome, man. What's that one every... It's over three a week. So. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's a big effort. Yeah. Interestingly, I know a handful of companies that would that have five people who couldn't do that, which is not bagging them out, but that's just to really put it in perspective of... And then there, it's a big sale. It's one of the biggest purchases a person can ever make. Hot chooks at, at the, down at the supermarket. It's, it's pretty awesome, man. It's, it's, it's definitely a, a skill set that you have to you know, really put your time and effort into to learn. But my, my biggest takeaway from that industry is that a lot of people just needed education before they need to be sold to. If, if you were the guy that says, hey, let's sit down and let me show you how to do it properly, and then 
then we'll talk about whether I can sell you or whether, whether we're the right product. It's a totally different sales conversation. And it was a conversation that I, nobody else was having. And, and that was probably my biggest success. That's something I think everyone can take uh, some, some nuggets from is that you, whether it's online, offline, anywhere really, to really focus on building your brand, building your community. It's not for the immediate effect. You're not going to get a sale straight away. You, you probably will, but you shouldn't set the expectation that it's going to pay off right now. But the byproduct will be in three, six, and 12 months is when someone needs the thing that you have, cars, real estate, new home, marketing, whatever the thing is. If, they, if you're going up against someone who they've never met, they have no idea who they are, versus someone who they feel like they already know, like you mentioned, it's a completely different sales conversation. And that's something everyone can do. Just some tips for, for people. Like what what would you do if you were starting out again on, on LinkedIn or on socials? I think if, if I, my biggest piece of advice on LinkedIn is that is to really sit down and, and put an effort in every day. And it only needs to be 10 minutes, uh, but you've got to do it every day. And reach out to, you know, it could be 20 or 30 people a day um, on LinkedIn. You're going to find that half of them are going to connect with you probably within the following week. Um, and then the other half, you know, a certain portion of those will connect and a certain portion will never connect. But if you look at that over a 12-month period, you know, that's where you start to get your growth around your connections. But there's three sides to LinkedIn. Connections is only one side. Content is the second side. And the, and the third side of it is, is really about how you interact and and how you create visibility in other ways on LinkedIn. So whether it's direct messaging, whether it's commenting, whether it's liking, whether it's sharing other people's content, it's really about being a you know, a, you know, it's being social on the actual social network that you're on, and not just posting and walking away. You know, the value and where you'll get the most amount of reach is, is actually more in the comments than it is um, anywhere else. Yeah, that's awesome. And then in terms of consistency, what are you what are you typically posting? How do you keep people engaged? Yeah, so I think depending on, you know, sort of what your strategy is around that, I think it's really about having a mixture of content that's around something that adds value to the community or whether it's, um, you know, some sort of piece of knowledge that you want to share. I think anything around education works well. The other thing that I, I totally believe works well is actually promoting other people. Yeah. That's where... I sort of could see the algorithm start to change very heavily when people were actually having good conversations with other people um, and not necessarily promoting their own things. But the side effect is that when you're promoting someone else, you actually are promoting yourself at the same time, but yeah, but not physically. Yeah. Indirectly. I love that. It's, um, I want to sort of talk about, I, I get hit up quite a lot for lead gen, obviously that's what we do. But guys want commercial opportunities, so roofers, insurance agents, realtors, things like that. They want to market in the B2B space, and it's not great for Facebook. We can do it. We do okay with it. But something along the lines of LinkedIn and events is really what I've seen the best wins from. So I guess my question to you would be, like, if you were a roofer or home improvement, and I know you've got guys in your network and community that, that do sort of focus in the trades, how would you use either LinkedIn or, or an event to grow the business? It's not going to be today or tomorrow, but like, how would you do that as a long-term approach? I think the, the biggest opportunity for any, when you're going in the B2B path, is the biggest opportunity is about creating a, a good network of people around you yeah. who are then advocates for your business to the you know the, all the people that they know. It's 
it's about scaling that um, sort of spider web of people, I guess. Um, your, your first level connections are the people that are advocates for you, but your second level connections are the people that, that those people know that you may not directly know yourself. And I think that's the biggest opportunity moving forward is having a, a whole bunch of advocates around you that, you know, given a the right barbecue or something like that, that they say, hey, I'm looking for a roofer, who would you recommend? Yeah. That you're the the name that slips out of their mouth because it's all, it's all about top of mind awareness at the right time for that. On the flip side of it, it's, it's about, you know, what sort of content can you create to remain top of mind for those people so that when they do have a hailstorm or, or some sort of event that you're the, the trusted person within that industry that they can go to. So- and obviously, there's a lot of social proof around that, which I'm sure you're aware of. Let's get a bit more granular. Let's say I'm a roofer. I got a great accent, but let's say I'm a roofer. I want to connect with insurance agents and you know realtors and and people of influence who who have my customers. They're already trusted by the the end user, the the homeowner who's been hit with a hailstorm or whatever. What would be a good approach for me? If I wanted, if I know I wanted to build like strategic alliances, how would you do it? I mean, LinkedIn is LinkedIn is a great way to be able to specifically find those people on LinkedIn, and then it's a process of, um, you know, actually interacting with those people that your clients see before they come to you, or you know, those are the particular um, trusted people in the in the network who are actually going to be, you know, pointing fingers back at you and saying, "Hey, this is the." This is the guy that you need to go and see. He'll fix your problem for you. And and I guess to a certain degree, you like you would want to be known by every real estate agent in your geographical area that you deal with. You know, every insurance agent in that geographical area, you want them to know who you are and what you do. Yeah. And then continue to build that network of people that that have the likelihood of referring to you. But but also, at the end of the day, just continue to build your geographical influence within your geographical area. So if, if you know wherever wherever you live and wherever you work, you want to be just continually connecting with people. Some of them may be relevant short term, some of them may be relevant long term. I guess my strategy is always to you know try and connect with the connectors first, so the people who are very well connected. And then you, and then sort of work your way backwards from that. I'm going to sort of focus a little bit on events. You've thrown quite a lot of them over the years. You've had small numbers, you've had big, big numbers, and everything in between. Done yep. free ones, paid ones. Again, sort of every. You've got a great, great exposure to a broad range of of events. So, I just want to talk about like the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what you've liked, what you haven't, what you'd do differently. I guess so. Um, if you look at um, the good side of it, like I mean, the biggest advantage I find with events, and specifically being the event organizer, is that you get a great opportunity to talk to everyone who's coming to the event. Um, a lot of them I talk to them prior to coming to the event, during the event, and then after the event. I mean, the biggest, the biggest thing for me, the advantage of the good side of it is that um, you know I get to have some really great conversations. Um, and, you know, to a certain degree, I'm probably the only person in the room that everybody in the room knows who I am, whereas everyone else sort of walks into that room and there's, there's, there's such a room of people that they don't know. So that's probably my the good side of it. Yeah. If we talk about the bad side of it, um, I guess the, you know, sometimes with events and you've got to sort of put it to the side is that, you know, sometimes the commercial aspect of the events and, you know, the amount of time you put into it to the, to the immediate return on it can be 
can be pretty ordinary, yeah. depending on the style of the event and, and what you're trying to achieve. I always put it out as um, it's good karma. It's sort of one of those things that things will come back in, in the future. And I, I can definitely look back and say that's that's definitely what's happened. Yeah, you know, the event is is something that you've really got to put some structure to, some strategy to. You know, you, over time you sort of get to know, you know, what events, what event places are, are really good to deal with, which ones aren't, uh, which ones are flexible, which ones aren't, and then you you sort of get to a point where you sort of you can start to pick and choose where you want to have the events, who you want to support in the event industry, you know, what venues, what venues your attendees like, you know. What um you know what the food quality is like? Where's the good parking? There's a whole heap of things that so I guess come into you know creating that that really good event. And it's you know I guess trying to tick off as many boxes as those as you possibly can as you go through it. Yeah. The ugly you know there's there's certain times before the events that um you know I'll have people still chasing tickets. You know I think the la- the, the record currently is eleven o'clock the night before the breakfast, and people are still harassing me for. To get tickets to a to a sold out event, and um, I do my best to to squeeze them in wherever I can. Um, but it's um, I usually come home after some some of the events, and I'll crash for four or five hours afterwards because I've you know worked so hard in the in the twenty four hours and the lead up to it. Yeah, and to a certain degree, the the way that I do events is is not for everyone. It's very boot bootstrapped. You know, I, I pretty much ninety percent of the work pre-event is well probably 99 percent is, is me um i have a couple of people who sort of help me on the day and then um the pack up is all me so i sort of make it really really lean you know on, on purpose to make it commercially as viable as i can yeah nice you have to reach out and let me know i'll, I'll help pack up sometimes mate i'm not too far away yeah you're down the road <laughs> that's super cool i um is there have you seen a difference in terms of a free event versus a paid one or like with attendance and Things like that. Yeah, my, my current events, you know, most of them I sort of put them as a paid event, um, but a low-cost paid event. So yeah. like a breakfast is, you know, 35 Australian dollars, includes a, a breakfast and, a, and a, um, a coffee, and then, you know, the networking and the guest speaker. And, um, you know, in comparison to what else is in the market, which is normally between that sort of 60 to to $100 for a similar sort of event, the difference is I just get, like I, I sell at every event. Whereas the other, sometimes the other companies that do it sort of struggle to to get attendance and get the volume of people that I do. That's sort of the giving back to the community is um, around that aspect of it. Yeah, I guess it's it's really a the free event side of things. You know, you'd get maybe eighty percent attendance. Yeah, um, on a paid event, I'd probably get ninety nine percent attendance. Yeah, right. Um, and the follow up that I do the night before, if, if someone's paid for a ticket and um, they can't attend then I'll try and give away that ticket because by that point I've already paid the caterers for that ticket anyway. So yeah, right. to try and make sure there's no spare spots in the in the place and, and yeah. Yeah, it makes it work really well. I guess that's an important to note. Like there's a, a, a very tiny commitment there, the 35, and there's a ton of value in exchange food. Geez, you can't get a loaf of bread for 10 bucks now, but maybe that's an exaggeration. I am a marketer, but th- that's, that's really important to say. And then have you sort of seen that, you know, there, there is. They're more committed. They're not expecting everything for free. They've they've sort of they've they've made an investment to be there. Is that important? You know, it's, to a certain degree. Um, I mean, I've done a couple of free events before, where the the free ones I've done have all been after our events. Yeah, where we've essentially 
you know, had a, a function center give us the venue for free, you know, had to organize some sponsors for maybe the food. And then the venue, you know, they make money out of the uh, drink sales on the night um, and sort of do it that way instead. I've done, I've done other events where I've had um, guest speakers that have subsidized the event. You know, our cost per person for a dinner event, the recent one we did, I think our cost was about 45 was a hard cost on it. The guest speaker subsidized $10 a ticket, so we could still sell it for $35. And then the guest speaker had a chance to promote his um, service offering at the same time. Just on the changing feet or shoes a little bit here, let's say we're, we're the attendee. I'm going to speak generally because not everyone's like this, but generally speaking, when people go to a free event or, you know, they've been forced to go or they've been asked to go by their employer or something, it can be a sort of a thing like what's in it for me if I go and I don't get any deals or any leads, it's been a waste of time. Like what's the right mentality people should take into going to an event after seeing so many events and seeing so many people do well out of them? Like what's your advice to people? Uh, I think my, my biggest piece of advice is go to the event and with an attitude to help people. Yeah, you know, ask people, hey, what's a problem that you have that maybe I can help you with? You know, offer them some free advice. Um, it, it's you know, what's it's not necessarily what's in it for me, but you know, how can I how can I assist them? And it it, it really comes back to the, the the conversations that you're having on those sort of networking nights. I would say that you know, generally business doesn't get done on the night, and that yeah. would be the case. Business is done. At a, you know, at a coffee catch-up in the future, business is done in a, in a future conversation. So it's you know, not walking into the room ready to sell something. Um, it's all about getting people to know who you are and what you do so that there's even an opportunity to do business with, the, with them in the future. Yeah. What, what I do that's a little bit different is that I create a list that I send out to everyone the night before, which has their first name, last name, company name, and a link to their LinkedIn URL. And I send that out to everyone so that everyone knows exactly who's going to be in that room the next day. Um, and they've also got the opportunity they can reach out and connect to those people on LinkedIn. Some people will start at the top of the list and work all the way through. Other people will be selective about who they want to connect with. Um, others will use that as a way to, if they have a conversation with someone, go back, find them on LinkedIn, and then continue that conversation. Moving forward, both people obviously have to agree to connect on LinkedIn but then it gives them an opportunity to continue those chats if they don't have each other's contact details from there. Yeah, nice. Let's throw a little hairy one at you. I think you can cover this one. Let's say like for yourself now, because you've invested so much time, energy, effort, and and you've created this expertise in building communities, how you do LinkedIn. Let's say, let's try and start back from the start. Let's say we moved to Ipswich. Let's say we moved to the sunny coast where there's no exposure, no one knows who I am because I we do all stuff in America. You would be less known, you know, your home home base is here in Toowoomba. How would how could we start like getting attention and building a community? What would you do? Yeah, so there'd be a couple of different things that I would tackle from that side of things. I, I recently had a very similar situation with a, a guy by the name of Craig Harper, really, really well-known guy based in Melbourne, Australia. Um, if you ask anyone in Melbourne who he was, they would be able to tell you off the off their bat, bring him into the Toowoomba. We, we hired him as a guest speaker in Toowoomba. And um, we, for three months, we, we sold tickets to the event that we created with him as the guest speaker. And we had to do a lot of work around who he was, what he was, because nobody, he didn't have brand recognition locally. So you go into, into somewhere like Ipswich or Brisbane or something like that, 
and you create an event. You know, there's multiple different ways that, um, you know, from a technical point of view that you can create visibility. Um, you've obviously got a lot of the paid routes, you know, different ads and things like that. You've got LinkedIn has some options around what they call in-mail. In-mail gives you the option to send messages to people you're not directly connected to and start building awareness for the event that you're using through that. You've also got, um, you know, the ability to connect with a certain number of people in that location um, every day prior to the event. So if your event's a month or two months out, you know, and you're connecting to, you know, say 100 people a week for two months, there's 800 people that you can potentially reach out and um, try and connect to in that location in that time frame. Um, and then once they connect to you, you've got the ability to invite them to a LinkedIn event that you've pre-created, you know, to start to build some awareness for the actual event that you're doing um, in the future. And then I guess outside of that, it's, it's really around, you know, other, I guess, visibility creating things could be, you know, trying to get hold of a list of businesses in that particular area that you can market out to, you know, partnering up with different business groups and other sort of strategic sort of partnerships locally within that particular area. What would be like, what's a good event people could get started in, you know, it's nice and simple. Would it be like a, like a lunch and learn or like, what would you do to get started? When I, when I get started, it was like, does anyone want to have coffee with me on a Friday? Everyone just bought their own coffee and we all sat around a table and it was, you know, we just basically have 30 people sitting around a table was our first one. I just put out a post. Then when I have coffee with me at lunchtime on Friday and boom, you know, and at the time, I think the, I think the invitation went out to about 200 people. Yeah. Um, and out of that 200 within that LinkedIn group that I'd created, you know, there was 30 people that actually turned up on the day. Uh, and then over time, you know, using sort of event um, software, we were able to, you know, remarket to those people that came to the previous events. Uh, we were able to, you know, direct message people on LinkedIn and say, hey, about this event, do you want to come to this one? Or, you know, send them a LinkedIn event invite. Or there's there heaps of other ways we could create visibility within multiple platforms. Um, we then started reaching out, you know, and creating posts on Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Instagram, and, and other platforms, which were all just opportunities to create more um, visibility. Yep. And as well as, you know, we, we still had our, um, an SMS blast that we would go out um, as well before each event. I can see if you guys brought your own coffee while the coffee shop had the shits, just putting that out there. I think the, the biggest issue was that, um, you know, Brewster coffee just takes time to make. Yeah. You know, you, you start, uh, I thought he'd be thanking me for, you know, putting 30 or 60 people into his coffee shop, but um, clearly his staff weren't, weren't um, of the same opinion. Yeah, right. And, you know, it did take him you know, 45 minutes to get some people coffee. But, yeah, you know, everyone was chatting. Everyone was chatting during that time um, anyway. So um, we had to move into different formats. So the sort of business after hours sort of style format was, was the next stage we went to. And I um, I just got lucky. I asked my network um, basically, hey, what do I, this is the problem I've got. Who can help me solve it? And we had a guy who was the general manager of the Birkenwells Hotel locally who just said to me, hey, Brendan, I've got a room. You know, I'll give you the room for free. I'll, I'll put up a bit of food for you. And everyone just buys their own drinks. And, that, you know, would that help? And I said, that would be awesome. And that was, you know, that was event number three. And, um, you know, that's what triggered it onwards and upwards from there. That poor old coffee shop owner. Like, <laughs> in hindsight, you'd be begging someone to do that. But anyway, he didn't. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's all about uh, scalability. He he didn't necessarily the, the barista coffee. You know, you can only have a certain amount of ten thousand dollar machines sitting on the table and a certain amount of staff there ready to go. Could have got a few cakes and sandwiches in on the on the, on the side of that, but anyway. Yeah, that's the opportunity for next time. <laughs> yeah. What's next? What's next for Brendan Golby? I mean, I'm always learning, always learning new things. Um, but I think that you know the ability to create um, events in in other geographical locations. I did a event series around Australia in the last two years where we had 50 events that we put on within a, a four-month window, and that was sort of lead generation events for for uh, a business coach um, sort of industry. And uh, yeah, I think there's there's a bit more of that to go, and yeah, we'll, we'll see. There's there's heaps of opportunities sitting there ready for me to take take a bit of a pick at. Yeah, nice. If someone wanted to either see your content, connect with you, get some more info about anything we've talked about today, where's the best place people can find you? Yeah, the best best place to find me is on LinkedIn. That's that's sort of where I'm most active. And um, yeah, the best way to have a conversation and yeah, let's chat. Do they just search your name, will it come up that way? Yeah, if you just search uh, Brendan Golby, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, and then Golby is spelled G-O-L-E-B-Y. They connect with you, get it going on in the DMs. That's it. Yeah, we can chat, we can chat from there. So I'm sure. Excellent. Well, awesome, my man. Have you got any final words before we let our fellow skull takers go today? I think I think the biggest thing to take away from today is that um, and is that visibility creates opportunity. You know, find ways to create visibility in your business. Find ways to create visibility within your network and, um, you know, find those opportunities that will then eventually sort of come from those and um, dig deeper into who the people that you know, who they know. That, that's, that's where the opportunities are all sitting there waiting to be picked. If you don't do that in 2023, someone else will. So thank you, Brendan. Uh, you've been fantastic. You have tremendous hair. And for our fellow Skull Takers, watch out for the next episode. Cheers.